greetings brothers and sisters uh gives me a lot of joy uh to be here with you this morning um i've heard so much about uh cbf all the years and uh i've had friends from here as well uh, i have a couple of familiar faces here um i'm deeply uh, honored and humbled uh to be with you and uh to be in a place where uh god's word is uh, faithfully preached um that's what this church is known for uh, i've always heard so much about this place and what the lord is doing here i'm grateful for the uh, faithful elders and their ministries the deacons um and the uh the the eagerness for god and uh, the gospel um uh charles and had asked me to say a few words about how i've uh you know reached where i am right now um i as he said i'm born and brought up in kerala um uh, i have a past that i'm not so proud about so there is nothing much from there you would hear but uh like we were remembering it was marked with a lot of uh, rebellion and lot of sin and uh, hypocrisy and all of that being born and brought up in a brethren uh, fourth generation family uh you know uh, you can even be in the church do everything but uh, still don't know christ um so that pretty much was my life uh, uh sports was very much part of uh, my life as i was growing up um uh, but it was when i was 17 uh, is when christ had to pull me back and uh, stop me where i was going and uh, show me uh the sins of my own life and point me to christ uh the gospel was preached uh, so powerfully to me that day uh, as a 17 year boy uh, old boy sitting at the back of a vbs uh, where the question was asked about uh, sin the sins that you do are not against the people i was fearing the people in my family uh, nor in my church but the preacher was telling about a perspective that i have not heard that my sins are against my creator um, a holy god uh that made me stop uh, what i was doing and uh then he pointed didn't stop there but he pointed me graciously uh to the cross and that day uh, my heart melted like never before uh, before the love of christ uh and uh, uh that not only changed my life it offered me forgiveness it offered me a hope uh that is everlasting and uh, a desire to uh pursue holiness and uh, uh you know uh, and uh, you know uh, pursue holiness uh but at, that was the very moment if you ask me what is that magical thing uh, that that calls you to ministry nothing i don't have a supernatural uh you know dream or a calling that i got okay i've been now on you're going to be in ministry no nothing uh, that very day when i heard the gospel uh when the very day christ transformed my life that was quite enough for me to say uh that my life was for christ uh i know it was not from me uh the question was asked christ in his young age uh, when he was 33 year old when he was so young and energetic uh in his youth he was willing to die for your sins to save you from the very sins that you were doing are you willing to give your youth your life for christ that's it um i could not see any other options before me um 
but to serve Christ. I didn't know what it meant like. I, didn't, I don't have a legacy of people uh, serving the Lord in my family. Uh, my dad was working in Dubai for a long time and my mom uh, taking care of us in Kerala. But I expressed my desire to my parents and, uh, you know, over the phone. And uh, when mo- my mom was in Dubai and she hung up and I said, that's the end. Man, this be the one son, two you know daughters, and the, you know all the hope was on them. Uh, they thought this guy is messing up. Uh, the whole you know uh, thing is done. But uh, the thing was different. And my mom uh, called me back and said, "Eben, we've been praying for this ever since you were born. But we had a uh, we had a decision that we would never." Tell this to you. Never tell our desire that you should be serving the Lord. But you, we prayed that you would come forward and say that. Uh, we don't want to hear anything from, else from you. We don't want you to do anything for us. Go do what you are called to do. And we are there to support. Uh, that's the beginning of uh, my um, uh, ministry. It's been 12, uh, 12 years, going to be 13 years I'm serving the Lord. Uh, God took me to Brother and Bible Institute to be equipped in His Word from there to ACA. Both these places did not simply teach, teach me uh, the Bible, but it taught me life. Uh, it taught me Christian service. It taught me about family. Uh, and it shaped my entire life, pointed me to the, uh, the, the remaining sins and the sharp edges of my life and character. And each day God used uh, the, 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 the sermons in the chapel and the classes and the interaction with my faculty uh, to shape uh, my life. And over that time, God had given me an increasing burden about uh, preaching the gospel uh, but also in particular about church. Uh, there were so many options, but all of that, uh, usually if you come to seminary, church is at the bottom. Uh, usually uh, people think being in a church, pastoring, uh, shepherding is the last thing that a seminarian should do. But God turned my, um, uh, my priorities and brought, church, brought, uh, brought his church uh, to the first and asked me to uh, you know, shepherd uh, his sheep. And last... Uh, uh, you know, uh, four years full time. I'm serving Hosu Brethren Assembly, um, and it has been a, a privilege that the church has been so supportive. And last year, I uh, met my wife uh, Gloria, and we got married. Uh, it has been amazing. Uh, we did it during COVID, just with 70 people. So, uh, uh, so she's been an amazing support ever since, uh, praying, correcting gently, um, and uh, together serving the Lord in Hosur. Would you continue to pray for us? Uh, and for the church in Hosur, uh, it's a very different church. You have one language here. We have at least five, six languages. There is Malayalam, there is Tamil, there is English, there is Kannada, there is Telugu and Hindi. Uh, all of this at the same time. Okay, So you will hear people sitting with Hindi-speaking uh, fellows and translating it right then. And the guys who, my mom came last week and said, what is it, guys sitting behind and talking? I said, mom, they are translating. That's how it works. Uh, so please continue to pray for the church and the ministries uh, that is happening at Hosur. You know, um, every day, uh, you and I find ourselves in a variety of circumstances. Uh, you know, circumstances are real, uh, they are personal, uh, they are uncertain, and they are changing. Uh, you know, your circumstances can be the place where you are right now. You know, for you in Bangalore, uh, working, uh, studying, 
serving the Lord, that could be uh, your circumstance. All the people you are surrounded with, your relationships, um, your marriage, uh, your church, your colleagues, uh, your boss, your neighbor, uh, your in-laws, your friends, all of this can become uh, your circumstances. All the events that are happening uh, in your life, pleasant and unpleasant. You know, a new job, a promotion, uh, a new apartment, a marriage, a baby, a new ministry, a death, sickness, divorce, uh, betrayal, uh, struggle with sin, a financial crisis, a miscarriage, a child with uh, special needs. All of this can uh, be your circumstance. All the emotions that you are feeling at the moment, happy and, and grateful and satisfied in the Lord or sad, uh, worried and frustrated, confused, hopeless, angry and anxious. You know, all of this can uh, be considered as your circumstances. You know, we know some of these circumstances are pleasant and some not. You know, every circumstances has its challenges. Often, we let our circumstance determine the way we live our lives. Circumstances lead us to uh, choices. Bible doesn't promise us a favorable circumstances without sin, suffering and evil in this world. You know, there is no such thing as a right, perfect and favorable circumstance uh, in this world for a follower of Christ. Often we use our circumstances as something to put our blame on for not doing what the Lord has asked us to do or uh, be the person that God wants us to be. You know, we say, uh, we think when I have a new job, I will start giving more to the Lord. After I am married, I'm going to be more spiritual. Uh, and when I move to that new apartment, I'm going to be more regular to the church. Um, and we often say when, I, when the Congress party comes back to the rule, I'm going to be sharing the gospel even more. Really? We know for a fact that it is a lie and nothing is going to happen. You know, it is just an excuse for us to not do what the Lord has asked us to do. Uh, a believer is not called to wait around inactively for his or her circumstances to change. But God in his mercy might change your current circumstances according to his will for his purposes. But we are not called to view our circumstances as, as a threat nor as a loss, but as a God-ordained opportunity to make the best of our circumstances for the Lord. Let me repeat, we have to view our circumstances as a God-ordained opportunity to make the best of our circumstances for the Lord. The question is, what and how? What am I to do with my uncertain and unpleasant circumstances? How do I make the best of my circumstances as a Christian? That's what I want to talk to you about Today, making the best of your circumstances. Making the best of your circumstances. Paul, uh, you know, please turn with me to the passage that we read, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. 
Here Paul explains his circumstances and tells us how he makes the best of even the most adverse circumstances of his life. This is, Paul is going to explain about, uh, you know, how he made the best of his circumstance. I'm not going to read the passage again, but we will look at uh, one by one as we go forward. Uh, you know, as we come to the book of Philippians, we know gospel-driven, Christ-exalting, joyful life and ministry is one of the main themes of the book of Philippians. You know, the book of Philippians is a report of a missionary to his praying and supporting church. Paul is writing to the believers at Philippi. And in verse 1 to 11, Paul expresses his affection and his love for Philippians. And he gave thanks to God for their gospel partnership. And the verses that we are reading from 12 to 26, Paul gives the church a report of his present situation and his outlook on to the future. In this passage that we read, we will read about two of Paul's immediate circumstances from verses 12 to 14. If you read, you will see that Paul is talking about his circumstances or the suffering that he is facing from the Roman officials. We know Paul was awaiting his trial before Caesar in, in, in Rome. While Paul awaited, he, had, uh, he was held under house arrest that we read in Acts chapter 28. Uh, he wasn't in a dungeon, but he was held under house arrest uh, in his own rendered house. But it was still an imprisonment uh, because a Roman soldier was always there on guard. In fact, Paul and the guard were chained together all the time. Every word that Paul spoke were, was monitored. Every curse and obscenity the soldiers uh, spoke was heard by Paul. He couldn't walk away. He had no privacy for his personal needs. The chain was always there. This is where Paul is writing from. This is Paul's condition. This is Paul's circumstances. And there's one more circumstances that he's mentioning that we read from verses 15 to 18. That is the suffering that he faced from the fellow Christians. And there was another circumstances in Paul's life that was hard to handle. Maybe the hardest of all. Paul talks about two types of evangelists. One group made up of an envious evangelist, while the other was made up of an empathetic evangelist. He talks about both of them uh, in this verse. They were, uh, some Christians, some co-workers were jealous of the apostle. They were jealous of his apostolic authority and his knowledge and his vibrant witnessing. Paul says they are in envy and strife. They are serving the Lord. They are trying to cause more affliction in my chains. They were criticizing Paul and attempting to gain a prominent uh, position for themselves. They were preaching the gospel but with a wrong motive. They wanted to make a them, name for themselves but by tarnishing the name uh, of the apostle. These this two are the circumstances that you would read about Apostle Paul here. But here in this passage, Paul explains how he made the best uh, of uh, his hostile circumstances. He's not explaining about all the troubles and the struggles and uh, the, the difficulties of these circumstances. He's not trying to elevate that 
pain as though something uh, to get an emotional favor or some more support and money from this group he just simply mentions there is suffering but he made sure that as he is writing he would write that in an encouraging way to his dear believers he is going to tell them how he made the best of his circumstance let me tell you three things from this passage that how god may uh, how paul made the best of his circumstances um one by steadfast commitment to the gospel paul says i made the best of my circumstances by having a steadfast commitment to the message of the gospel second he says by having a selfless passion for the glory of christ and thirdly he says an increasing pursuit of the joy in the lord that's how paul made the best of his uncertain unpleasant circumstances by having a steadfast commitment to the gospel by having a selfless passion for the glory of christ and by having an increasing pursuit of the joy in the lord let's come to the first one steadfast commitment to the gospel you know as you read verse 12 you will read paul says what has happened i want you to know brethren that things which happened to me so paul is going to explain about the things that has happened that we already looked at uh, he says uh, you know could be referring to everything that happened to him uh, on his journey from jerusalem to rome you know uh, this would include a riot as he was traveling we know two years of imprisonment in caesarea and uh, also a threat on his life a shipwreck on the way to rome his house arrest his uh, arrest his restricted freedom or the imperial uh, you know impending trial you know all of this could be paul's circumstances but paul doesn't paul doesn't stop there but he says all of my circumstances have turned out to one thing it served to advance the gospel verse 12 i want you to know brethren that all the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel paul used the most adverse situation we can possibly imagine to advance the gospel um if ever there was a christian who could uh, who had a legitimate right to complain about his circumstances it was paul uh, cut off from his very successful and fruitful ministry not permitted to leave his house uh, constantly watched criticized by his brothers and sisters uh, whom he was trying to serve uh you know but he was in whining about his situation he is in complaining about not being able to labor in a big vineyard like uh, you know spain he's not even complaining about his critics who are trying to aff- uh, you know afflict him in his imprisonment but he was focused on the mission of spreading the good news of the gospel despite of his circumstances Paul saw his adverse circumstances as an opportunity to advance the gospel because that was his topmost priority. He would do the same inside the prison and outside the prison. Paul is saying to the Philippian believers, my circumstances are changing, my mission doesn't change. the four walls of the prison uh, the chains the soldiers and their weapons did not stop Paul from telling the only message of salvation he mentions 
two ways in particular how the gospel is advancing. He says people are hearing the gospel. Verse 13, uh, it is evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. He's telling people outside are hearing about Christ. And it, he's also telling others are speaking boldly the gospel, uh, the gospel boldly. It's not that outsiders are hearing the gospel, but even the believers who are inside are now speaking the gospel more boldly. God used Paul's adverse circumstances to advance the gospel through him and through others. The first result of Paul's imprisonment resulted in uh, those of outside that he says the imperial guard and others heard about the gospel. The second one, the body of Christ, the family of faith was being built up by, the, uh, by Paul's affliction. Uh, I don't know uh, what circumstances uh, God in his sovereign will have allowed you to be in your life at the moment. Uh, it is possible that God has permitted you to be in a place uh, in a class, in a job, or in a dorm, or in a neighborhood, or in a relationship, or in a hospital bed, as circumstances that is not exactly of your liking. Maybe God has chosen this way to reach someone with the love and the good news of Jesus Christ. We never know how God might use our suffering to advance the gospel. Uh, while you may be involved in many noble and just cause, uh, be a gospel person. If you are feeding the poor or caring for AIDS patients, do it with the good news of Jesus on your lips. Take all your opportunities to serve and love, uh, serve and love as an occasion to speak the gospel wisely, wholesomely, uh, compassionately, and fearlessly. Make use of all the opportunities that God has given to speak boldly the good news of the gospel. Do you have a steadfast commitment to the gospel? That's the question this morning. Do you realize the message that you are given? The message that transformed your life is the only way your friend, your family member can be saved. You and I can't say my circumstances are not favorable to me to witness Christ. I don't see chains in our hands. I don't see any of us waiting for our death anytime soon. If that is the case, we must witness Jesus Christ. Paul says, even in the most adverse situation, I have no excuse, I have no choice but to share the gospel, but to witness uh, Christ. The problem is not our circumstances, the problem is our commitment. We need a generation that has a steadfast commitment to the message of the gospel. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do, to have a selfless, uh, uh, steadfast compassion, uh, uh, steadfast commitment to the message of the gospel in whatever circumstances that you are in right now. The second thing that Paul says, how he made the best of his circumstances is by having a selfless passion for the glory of Christ. Let's read verses 15 through 18. You know, as he says, he mentions 
uh, the word Christ uh, four times and in verse 20, let's read verse 20, he says, uh, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, Christ, uh, as, uh, so now, also, also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether life or by death. You know, he uses the word Christ almost four times uh, in these verses. You know, even when he is personally attacked, when his, uh, his name is abused and tarnished, even when uh, the envious evangelists are uh, looking out to make a name for themselves, he is not bothered, he is not provoked because he is more passionate about the name and the glory of Christ. Paul says, I don't care what they are trying to do. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to be famous. They want to be prominent here in the ministries that they are doing. I don't really care. If they are trying to tarnish my name, put me down. I don't care because my commitment, my passion is to proclaim the glory of Christ. His name is my concern. What people think about him is my concern. Paul affirms that by saying, no matter what happens, Christ will be magnified. The glory of Christ, the name of Christ was his sole ambition and his goal. He had a passion for the name of Christ, not for himself. If it is against the glory of Christ, if it is against the gospel, if it is against the sound teaching of God's word, Paul would be the first one to defend it. But Paul says, when it is about my name, I will be willing to be, I will be silent and I will suffer. Our brothers and sisters, do you have a selfless, selfless passion for the glory of Christ? Paul's circumstances are very difficult. Paul could easily think so high of his name. Paul uh, didn't really care because his focus was on Christ. He's glorifying Christ, your utmost priority. You're given a life, uh, is glorifying Christ, your utmost priority. Are you too concerned about your image? This is a problem that we struggle with. Are you too concerned about what people are thinking? Are you overly worried about what people are thinking about you? Is everything that you are doing, your singing, your preaching, your leading, your discipling, your giving, is that to make a name for yourself before others? Paul is encouraging us to live a life imitating Christ so that when people look at us, he gets the glory. Paul says, I don't care about what I'm suffering. I don't care about my name. I don't even care if others are trying to make a name for themselves. I care about one name. That is the name of Jesus Christ. To live for him. To live like him. To obey him. To serve him. Worship him. To live my life for him is my ultimate goal. So I don't care because his name and his glory is my passion. In your circumstances, develop a selfless passion for the glory of Christ. Let people tease you. Let them look down on you. Let them uh, uh, misuse your name. 
be more concerned about the name of Christ. Ask yourself this question. How can I glorify Christ in this circumstances? Whatever circumstances you are in. Ask this question. How can I glorify the name of Christ in this particular situation that I'm in? And I want to encourage all of us, especially those of us who are serving the Lord, to be careful about our motives as we serve Christ. Uh, this is a sad situation to uh, you know, read. We who are in ministry know how this works. This is, uh, uh, this is so true uh, even today. Uh, let me tell you, uh, we can preach Christ with the most horrible heart and attitude. Does it bother you when others are praised? When they are promoted or more recognized than you? What about if they tear you down in order to build themselves up? How sad it is to you know, compete with others who are actually on the same team. Uh, this is not... Paul is not worried about this, but Paul is actually, uh, he is not affected by it, but he's concerned about this attitude of people who are claiming to be preaching the gospel, he says their motives, their hearts are not right. You know, uh, how sad it is when uh, it is with selfish ambition in our heart, we share a message about a savior uh, who himself, uh, you know, who emptied himself for us. You know, that's the message that we are carrying. We are carrying a message of selflessness. And we have no room to think about selfishness. What uh, makes it your ambition to make Christ known, not yourself? Beware of the temptation to promote yourself in ministry. This will happen uh, as you care more about the glory of Jesus Christ than your own. You know, if Satan can't tempt you uh, with love for money or with sexual sin, he might try this tactic of envy and rivalry. Now, there is a story from the uh, 4th century. Um, you know, there was a, uh, 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 there's a story about uh, envy, of the sin of envy. You know, some inexperienced, reads like this, some inexperienced demons were finding it difficult to afflict a godly man. You know, they tempted him with, the, uh, with various, various things, but the man kept denying their uh, temptations. The demons reported uh, their problems to Satan. Uh, the evil one told them that they had been too hard on the man. He suggested uh, a more effective strategy. He said, send him a message that his brother... <clears throat> That his brother has just been made the bishop of Antioch. Bring him the good news. Uh, the demons used the devil's scheme. Reporting this wonderful news to the pious man. On hearing this message we read. The godly man fell into deep and wicked jealousy. You know God, uh, Satan could use this uh, tactic against us of sin and uh, rivalry. <clears throat> the third way Paul is making the best of his circumstances is by uh, having an increasing pursuit in the happiness of the happiness in the Lord. You know, Paul uh, is in prison. 
uncertain about the future and dealing with his critics who are envious of him it is possibly the worst situation to be happy but paul's eyes was fixed on the advancement of the gospel Paul's eyes was fixed on the advancement of the gospel and on the glory of Christ. Uh, you know, he is stuck in prison, but he is able to rejoice. Let's read verse 18. Uh, he says, uh, What then only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Paul is saying, uh, my situations and my circumstances are not good. Uh, he is stuck in a prison. He is able to rejoice even in the prison. Uh, you know, he cares about the advancement of the gospel. He cares about Christ's name being exalted. Paul makes it clear that difficult, unpleasant, painful, even life-threatening circumstances did not rob him from the joy, but rather caused it to increase. Paul is telling, all of my circumstances are against me, but none of these things are able to rob me of the joy that I have in the Lord. And we know that is one of the main themes of this book. Even here in the circumstances, Paul says, if gospel is preached, if Christ is exalted, I will rejoice. And he is so uh, focused on that. He had an increasing pursuit of happiness in the Lord in spite of his circumstance. Paul mentioned joy. Uh, Paul maintained his joy by putting the gospel first and, the, and, Christ, uh, and caring more about the glory of Christ than his own. You know, Paul was not trying to find his joy from a, a changing, adverse, unpleasant circumstances, but in the Lord. Dear ones, your circumstances will change, uh, your environment will change, situations will change, but you and I can still be joyful and happy because your joy is in the Lord. Our circumstances will change, but the Lord doesn't. Paul shows us the key to maintaining joy in the ministry is simple. And life is simple. Stay focused on Jesus. Even in your adverse circumstances, stay focused on Jesus. Is gospel being preached? If so, then rejoice. Is Jesus the Lord? And do you know him? Yes, rejoice. Life may be hard, you know, when, but when we keep our focus on Christ, we can rejoice. We all want to be happy. Uh, you and I are definitely finding our happiness in someone or uh, in something. The question is, is it in the Lord or not? Um, where, uh, where are you finding uh, your joy from? Your wife, uh, your husband, your children, uh, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your drugs, your alcohol, uh, games, sports, money, career, uh, material stuff, your body or the way you look, your education. Let me tell you, there is no such thing as true happiness outside of the Lord. That simply doesn't exist. You know, God is our joy and our delight. Are you increasingly pursuing your happiness in the Lord. John Piper says, Christian joy 
is a good feeling in the soul produced by the holy spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of christ in the word and in the world you know most of us um, you know most of us know uh, that uh, god has called us to make the best of our circumstances by having a steadfast commitment to the gospel and by having a selfless passion for the glory of Christ and by having an increase uh, increasing pursuit in the uh, in the joy of the lord but the question is how do we do it uh, often we find ourselves increasingly weak to fulfill these things i we know we all know in any circumstances as a christian as a follower of christ this is what i am called to do but we find it so weak to do these things we might uh, want to ask apostle paul how is it that he was able to do this the rest of the passage gives us the answer to that question paul says he did it by resting in the sovereignty of god verse 16 let's read verse 16 paul says in verse 16 the former preached christ from a selfish ambition not sincerely supposing to add affliction in my uh, chains um sorry um Yeah, verse 17 he says but the latter out of love knowing that i am appointed for the defense of the gospel verse 16 paul says i'm not here by chance i'm not here by an accident but paul really clearly believed that i'm appointed here for the defense of the gospel paul believed that he is in the prison by god's sovereign will he is not there by accident nor by chance but by a divine appointment how could paul make the best of his adverse circumstances the answer is here he was deeply certainly cons- uh, uh, aware of the lord's sovereign purposes for his life paul believed that his life is held in the hands of a sovereign god like dr steve lawson says paul um, uh, he uh, put his head on the pillar of the sovereignty of god each night and he slept well on it paul had a clear idea that he was not thrown into the prison by accident or by some random chance but he believed that he is appointed here sovereignly appointed by god circumstances in life uh, of a growing christian doesn't just happen they are sovereignly planned You know from a human perspective our circumstances may be pleasant or tragic they may be just or unfair they may change overnight or stay the same for years but they are under god's sovereign control from our point of view our circumstances may be something uh, sometimes seem to be completely out of control but from god's point of view our circumstances are never out of control brothers and sisters do you see uh, your circumstances uh, in light of god's sovereignty how beautiful our lives can become if we believe we are sovereignly appointed by god in these circumstances Yes the death of your spouse or your dear ones the suffering that marriage that difficult job in everything god is in control 
you and I cannot have a steadfast commitment to the gospel and a selfless passion for the glory of Christ and increasing pursuit of joy if we, uh, if we don't see our circumstances as sovereignly appointed. Our suffering, our suffering and our sin make it very difficult for us to believe that uh, you know, we, uh, it is appointed by God or it is under God's sovereign control. Kicking God out of our circumstances is not going to make things better, but it is only going to th- make things worse. Rest in the sovereignty of God. Paul believed that. That's why he was able to advance the gospel and proclaim the glory of Christ and be happy because he was so uh, aware of God's sovereign plan even in the utmost difficult circumstances. Just look at Jesus. If there were a time when circumstances seemed out of control, it was during the final week of our Lord's life. Consider the unfair trial of the man who was completely innocent. Think of the physical abuse of the one who harmed no one. Remember the cruel death of the one who uh, came to save humanity out of control? No, in control, in God's control. From start to finish, it was in God's control. Out of the tragic circumstances, God gave us the greatest demonstration of his love secured our eternal salvation. Now, if God so overruled and controlled these seemingly chaotic uh, circumstances, we can be sure that circumstances in our lives are not out of control. No, our circumstances cannot stop us from glorifying God. Paul had that deep awareness of God's sovereignty. Even in the prison, he believed he was appointed there by God, by sovereign plan. Secondly, in verse 19, Paul says he was able to do this by trusting in God's power. By resting in God's sovereignty. And verse 19, he says by trusting in God's power. He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and by the supply of the Spirit of Christ. Paul says, I know it is a certain knowledge about something. Paul had a deep faith even in the utmost uh, circumstances in the prison. Paul did not live without any hope or faith. Paul was not just simply standing in the midst of the storm that was coming for it to, uh, it to simply pass by. But Paul exercised his faith in the power of God. He trusted in the power of God and anticipated the work of God. Paul knows, I know for sure. He trusted in the strength and the power of God and he was anticipating to see God working in his circumstances. He was so so certain that he will soon be released from the prison one way or the other. Either by death or by dismissal, he will be released. Paul is prayerfully, by faith, anticipating the work of God in his circumstances. Do you see uh, God working in 
and through your circumstances. If God has placed you in any circumstances right now, this should be your anticipation to put your faith in God so that you can see the power of Christ in your life and you can see God working through your life. And Paul anticipated and he trusted God. In our circumstances, we are not called to simply stand hopeless, but to pray and plead for mercy and for the power of God to be revealed. Paul saw his adverse circumstances to experience the power of God in his life. In whatever circumstances that God has placed you, God wants to just lavish and pour out his power in your weakness. That's why he has allowed you to do that. And Paul trusted in that power. And finally, from verses 21 to 26, Paul says he was able to do these things by resting in God's sovereignty, by trusting in God's power, and by treasuring death. Let me repeat that, and by treasuring death. A steadfast commitment to the gospel, a selfless passion for the glory of Christ, and an increasing pursuit of joy in the Lord come from treasuring death. Treasuring death? I know know it sounds so unpleasant. We don't like to hear the word death. Uh, Even for believers, it is a scary thought. We don't want to hear about death. We don't want to talk about death. But I'm going to talk about treasuring death, not just facing death, but you and I can be in a place where you are awaiting for your death. You can say it is again, you are treasuring your death. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He's not referring to mere existence, but he's referring to living For God's intended purposes. Someone said this is the most dramatic statement to come from Paul's pen or anyone else throughout the history. To make that statement for me to live Christ and uh, death gain. This should be the heartbeat and the heart cry of every Christian. Paul talks about his perspective on death here in these passages. Paul is staring death uh, square in the eyes. He is awaiting for his death. He is not certain what is going to happen. He knows that at any time he can be killed. Uh, To his deeply concerned brothers and sisters, Paul says if needed, he is ready to die for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't stop there. In fact, He sees death as a gain, as a win, because his execution will usher him into the immediate presence of his Savior. And that is why he could cherish death. He could say it was a gain because he knew what this was going to do to him. Because it would usher him to the immediate presence of his Savior. Let me tell you this, no one is ready to live until they are ready to die. Let me make that statement again. You are not ready to live for Christ until you are ready to die for Christ. You must know the end of your life certain before you will joyfully risk and danger day by day. 
you must be so certain about what is going to happen when i breathe my last what is my future going to be what is after death in order for you to live the way we just spoke about it is only when you know that death will usher you into the presence of christ paul says depart and be with christ that you will live in fearless faith we all want to be witnesses we all want to preach the gospel we all want to glorify christ we all want to be joyful in life let me tell you paul gives us the secret of that if you are ready to die you are ready to do these things depart and be with christ cherish your death if you have put your trust in the person and in the work of christ you can be certain about your future i know i'm talking to a group of believers who have believed in jesus christ and you are so certain about your future and i want to encourage you to have a look again at that future so that you can live the way god wants right now uh you know let me tell you this why is death so worth cherishing why is death so gain for paul what is so good about death we know it is not a pleasant thing to have we don't want to even think about what is but what is making it so cherishing for a follower of christ let me tell you this for those of us in christ death becomes a means to graduating to glory and gaining access to the means for us we are graduating through the grave into the glory into the very presence of christ that is why death is so cherishing you know there we will behold him but not as the one uh, you know not as once he was we are going to see christ not as the humble a uh, carpenter or as the meek messiah but as the glorified king and the sovereign lord over the universe that is why death becomes so good for us you are going to see the god of the universe you are going to behold a god that we described this morning who is greater than sun you are going to be assured into his immediate presence through your death this is why death is again what is most important in heaven is not the streets of gold not the gate not the gates of pearl nor the reuniting with your loved ones the greatest profit will be to stand before christ and to behold him as he is and that is why death is so good and that is why you and i can cherish death because this death today or tomorrow it's just a matter of time it's just you or me we are all waiting and when that happens bible exhorts us to see your eternity to future your death as again for something greater than you have ever experienced in your life you are going to be right before your savior beholding him in his beauty and glory as christians we must see death this way the world denies death and seek to seek to ignore it but we cherish it the grave is not sovereign but only a servant to bring us to christ 
The grave is not the end. It is not sovereign. That's, the, that's not the last word. But a servant to bring you to Christ. Death will not be a tragedy. Death will be a triumph. Let me ask that very simple question. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Have you ever thought about it? If you live for Christ, death is a game. And in order for you to live for Christ, you must see death as a game. I like those two statements. Paul says, life is Christ, death is game. This is what Paul is trying to say. If you live for Christ, death is a gain. If you have Christ, death is gain and you can treasure it. And on the other way around, if you know your death is a gain and you can treasure it, you can live for Christ. That is the way it works. If you live for anyone else, for anything else, death will be a loss. But Paul saw his life only under two circumstances. Like I was talking about circumstances. Paul did not have too many circumstances. Paul said, I have two circumstances, alive or dead. Breathing or not, absent in in flesh, present with Christ and that's it. And to be frank, isn't that the only option that is left for us to? Don't we need a different outlook on our lives and our circumstances? If we truly see, we don't have too many options left, whether it is to be alive or dead. It is to be alive for Christ and to see death as a game. Such a sure hope gives us the confidence to live day by day to the fullest. When you know what is awaiting at your death, when you know about the glory that is awaiting for you, that strengthens you to live in this world through your circumstances, fearlessly for the furtherance of the gospel and for the glory of Christ. This is the secret of living confidently in the midst of adverse circumstances. A Puritan preacher, Richard Sipp, said, What greater encouragement can a man have to fight against his enemy than when he is sure of his victory before he fights. When you and I know the battle is already won, you and I can really fight. What an assurance. That's what God is calling us to do. He's not simply asking us to witness or exalt Christ, to live for Christ without any hope, but he's telling, hey, the battle is won. Now fight. If you're ready to die for Christ, then you are ready to live for Christ. Christ. Let me uh, let us make the best of our circumstances as we find ourselves in life's most unpleasant and uncertain circumstances or in good and easy circumstances. Let us have a steadfast commitment to the message of the gospel. A selfless passion for the glory of Christ more than yours and an increasing pursuit of joy in the Lord. How is that possible? By resting in the sovereignty of God and by trusting in God's power and by treasuring death. May God help us. Thank you.